Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Open World Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm back in Bangkok and I'm joined by my new friend Celine de Costa in New York City. If you love travel and pursuing your passions, I think you'll really love this discussion. Celine was recently featured in last year's Top 30 Adventurers Under 30, a list which I'm no longer qualified for, unfortunately, but um, she has a really interesting story. She took a huge leap of faith a couple years ago where she left her unfulfilling corporate life in New York City and decided she wanted to pursue her passions. She kind of grew up as a third culture kid, as an Italian-Brazilian, and really wanted to discover herself. And so she got on a one-way plane ticket to Europe and spent about a year just um, couch surfing and living with more than 70 hosts in more than 20 countries and five different continents. So it's something that a lot of you listening to this part are probably dreaming about, but you have no idea how to make that leap of faith or how to make it work. And so I think that you'll really be interested in this podcast. And um, she really learned a lot from that journey, meeting and befriending locals in different countries and cultures, and it all became a part of her. And so she wrote a book about it. It's called The Art of Being Human. She has a couple other books in the works, which she's going to tell us about. But uh, before I start talking, I would love to welcome you to the show, Celine, and thank you so much for being here. Hi, Danny. Thank you for having me. So perhaps, you know, you have a lot to, to share about yourself and about this journey. So I'd like you to tell me a little bit about your bio in your own words. Sure. Um, that's always like the complicated question, right? Because um, <laughs> I don't know where to begin. Um, so I was um, born and raised in Italy. And my mother is Brazilian, as you mentioned yourself. And uh, yes, I grew up as a three culture kid. Um, I came to the US when I was about 10. Um, been here for about 15 years now, actually in the process of getting my U.S. citizenship now. So yay. And um, yeah, I went through, you know, the whole the whole motions of the American dream and you summed it up pretty nicely. Um, you know, grew up in, in really deep, deep, deep into into this um, idea of the American dream in the Northeast. And then um, a few years ago, I kind of had, you know, a eureka moment where I decided that uh, I couldn't live um, life this way anymore, that I was essentially living a placeholder life um, in a dream that didn't belong to me and that I didn't want. Um, and I decided to actually, you know, look inside of myself and really think about what it is that I wanted um, in life. And obviously there's a few events that kind of catalyze this. Um, but yeah, and then I spent, I've been traveling for the past two years. Um, I did a social experiment, which again, you touched on around the world um, in which I was staying with people who were connected to me somehow. And this was really an experiment to understand and reconnect, um, with humanity and what it truly means to be human. And, um, yeah, so I went around the world and once I got back to New York, I realized I wanted to keep doing this. You know, it wasn't just like a, a sabbatical. Um, it was something that I wanted to build my life around. And that has been what I've been working on for the past couple of years is, um, designing a life that allows me to do what makes my heart sing. And also, um, you know, creating a business that helps other people do the same. So I hope that sums it up. <laughs> I'd like to ask you, take me back a bit to this concept of the American dream and perhaps in your own words, what do you think that really meant to you? So I think I have, um, you know, an outsider's perspective. Obviously I came to the States as a child, so I was, it wasn't something that I grew up in and was completely used to, but more something that kind of like I walked into. But, you know, um, since I was a kid here, um, you know, I was really sold this idea of like, okay, now go to school, get really good grades, get into one of like the top colleges, um, in the U S once you get in there, um, you know, you graduate, you get a corporate job, um, you get a corporate job, you get 
married, you have kids, you live in the suburbs, like, and you just, the whole goal, the whole game here is to just keep getting promoted, keep getting promoted until you're making enough money to buy the things that you want, um, to do the things that you want. And then one day, you know, if you do good, um, you know, when you're in your seventies or your sixties, you quit and then you retire and you get to travel the world and it'll be great. Like that's how life is lined up for you. And I just remember since I was a child, just being inherently uncomfortable with, um, I guess this culture that I was very much in the middle of and being like, while that doesn't sound, um, that doesn't sound super good to me, but I guess it's what I have to do. And so I did go through the motions. Um, you know, I did follow instructions all the while feeling completely uncomfortable in my skin, completely just like, Oh, I don't belong in this. Um, and I don't like it one bit, but I'm going to do it anyways. That American dream that you just described to me sounded like uh, my American nightmare, which I always thought of it that way, uh, because ever since, I don't know if I had like rebel DNA since I was a kid, but um, you know, in high school when all of my friends were applying for colleges and I was like, why, this, this seems stupid, why should I go to college um, or apply for all these universities, like I don't even know what it is I actually want to do yet, and um, after I graduated from university, I, I escaped with an associate's degree, I decided I didn't want to do another uh, any more punishment. Uh, I, I kind of felt like my life was over because I looked at that career path and you know trying to find a job for the next 30, 40 years uh, terrified me. So <laughs> I, it's it's interesting how two people, or I'm not saying you per, per, se, uh, per se, but how different people can look at the same thing. And for one person, it's like the dream; another person, it's like a nightmare. Oh yeah, absolutely. And even, you know, when I have conversations, um, you know, with fellow immigrants or I, I totally get that this is my perception of the American dream. Cause to them, it's like, yeah, you can come, you know, to America and you can like do whatever you want and all the possibilities and all the opportunities. And that's totally true. And I align with them. You know, it's a great, incredible country where you can, um, create your own opportunities and you can work up from nothing in ways that you absolutely cannot do in other countries. But for me specifically, I did feel like I was being put in this box. Um, and if I like kind of stepped out of the box, then I was the weird kid, which I was. Um, and I didn't, like, you know, a lot of it maybe has to do with like internalizing this concept of like, this is what I need to do. And this is the limited choice that I have. It's interesting. So I think and this is just my theory here, but I think what might be driving people to, you know, come to New York or come to the United States and, um, you know, try to pursue this lifestyle is maybe they just have boredom. You know, maybe they're just, because um, what, what really is the alternative? Like if you live in a small village in Italy or something, maybe you just feel like you need to do something with your life, but you don't really know what. So maybe it's just um, what's alluring them is just that feeling of activity, you know, because I've heard once that uh, happiness is a state of activity. So maybe maybe people <laughs> just that. feel like, um, like they're just bored with their life, you know, and they feel like I need to do something with my life. So they kind of just latch onto that idea rather than, um, I guess you and me at this point, we've kind of awoken up a little bit to, to find a more fulfilling path, but maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I also think that, you know, um, people so often look externally for the solution to their problems instead of looking internally. Right. So essentially what you get, and again, this is what marketing basically thrives on and <laughs> products thrive on is this idea of like, let me, um, give you a solution to your problem. And we, you know, a lot of people just believe that their problem can only be resolved externally rather than internally, which is something that I found. Um, but you know what it is, is the, you know, when we're looking at the American dream, what it is, it's just a product, right? Getting people over here or, you know, whatever, it's just like self-marketing, um, and really understanding that, you know, maybe a lot of people like are kind of flocking I, New York. I have so many friends that are like, when I lived in New York for three years, they're like, Oh my God, I'm so jealous. It's my dream city. And I'm just like, really, I don't like, cause there's so many cities in the world and I, I wouldn't choose necessarily New York. It's cool. But, um, you know, seeing people have like get starry eyed and have like this entire vision of what the city, um, is of what this place is and what they can achieve. But, you know, maybe 
it's like coming from a lack of confidence or understanding that if you want to live the dream, if you want to create a dream, like you have the power to do that, like from your village in Italy, you know what I mean? From wherever you are, instead of like having to seek external validation or like going outside, going little to a literal place that is in, you know, a certain country, wherever it may be, um, and being like, oh, when I get here, then I will be able to X, Y, Z when it's really like, no, you're actually able to do that right now, but maybe you need to trick yourself into thinking you need to find this externally in order for you to actually get what you want when you had it inside of you all along. Well, those are some great points. I think that New York is like an idea, basically, and people love to fall in love with ideas that are bigger than themselves, I guess. They kind of become wrapped up in that identity. And it could be a city, it could be uh, you know travel, it could be being an entrepreneur. And so, you know, wrapping themselves up in that identity is kind of more attractive than the actual reality, I guess, that idea. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> and I think that for a lot of people, especially who are pursuing this American dream, I think that you mentioned that the, the dream is like a product, basically. Uh, and so I think people create that identi- identity, it manifests through consumption, basically, you know, what we consume and uh, what we own. And I think that uh, a lot of people kind of live in a box. And I think that, you know, before I traveled, I didn't really know who I was, you know. So if I were to look internally, I wouldn't be able to find the answers because I didn't have enough experience, I guess. So I think I needed to open myself up to different experiences and perspectives. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I think that it's um, it's funny you say that, you touch on that subject, because um, I have, I think I've, I've written about this as well. Um, this concept of finding yourself actually, um, I had a mentor I have, yeah, I had a mentor in Italy. Um, he passed, but, but, you know, um, he taught me so much about like meditation and finding yourself. And he said something to me that's always resonated and stayed with me. He said, um, that life is not about finding yourself. It's a process of rediscovering who you already are. And this is something he really ingrained in me. And, you know, in the past few years, obviously, you know, young to mid adulthood is when you're really in that, in that process, deep in that process of, um, connecting with yourself and self discovery. And I always took it as a, a way of like, I'm not, I'm not finding myself because I'm already in here, like I'm already inside. Right. And one of the things that, um, I try to do in my social experiment. And when I, when I said like, you know, to reconnect with humanity, to rediscovering, uh, rediscover humanity is kind of to pick up the pieces of who I already was as I was traveling and basically just reconnect them. Right. Because I think that people, again, it's all about this idea of like external looking for external validation or looking for something outside of you when everything is just sitting right inside of you, right? Like the whole universe is inside of you. At least that's what I believe. And, um, you know, with traveling and, uh, pursuing your dream and instead of like going out there and looking for like a box to fit in or like, Oh, like, let me go look for like who I really am. Um, I've always, approached it with like a, okay, I got this stuff. Maybe some of it is like hidden deep, deep down in a closet that I haven't found yet. So let me go out there and kind of explore and talk to people, anyone who I can, you know, speak with. And maybe one of them is going to have the key to this door. And then another person is going to unlock that door. And then, you know, I'm going to be in this country or this place and find this thing about myself that I didn't even know that I was. So, um, yeah. And in that sense, you know, that's a little bit of external too, right? Cause I had to literally physically travel to places for me to, to kind of reconnect. But I mean, you know, I guess in some ways you have to use the catalyst that you need, like as you like get to know yourself a little bit better, rediscover yourself, you need to like basically look for certain catalysts, catalysts that work for you specifically to kind of reactivate that part um, of yourself. Well, those are some great points. So you discover pieces of yourself in different places where you go. Yeah. yeah. And I read about them. <laughs> I, I can say for certainly like, um, you know, my time in Mexico, for example, taught me how to slow down, you know, because I was on this treadmill uh, back in the U.S. and I really kind of had to step off it. So my first travel experiment was like two months in Mexico. And that really brought me a lot of clarity, you know, just being able to detach from that. And um, after that, I went to one way ticket to Argentina and I discovered how much I love to dance. You know, I never even knew that about myself, but, but dancing, you know, makes me come alive. And, um, and I just, you know, learned the different things from each culture. Like everything just kind of rubbed off on me. And 
kind of made up this uh, picture of who I was or who I want to be. Um, because I think that, you know, <clears throat> especially my, with my recent trip to India, I don't know if you've been to India, but... Um, Not yet, but Nepal, I guess. <laughs> You become completely detached from who you are, you know, and you're just kind of hanging on for the ride. Um, you, you can't have much of a routine if you're, if you're really traveling in India. Like, in the first couple weeks I was in co-working spaces and stuff, and it was easy to keep in touch with everybody and do normal things. But then I was just kind of hanging on for the ride. And then I kind of like, okay, it's like, I'm trying to remember who am I again? Who is this person named Danny? And, you know, I realized that I'm just uh, a human soul, just like anyone else on this earth who became attached to all of these things that make up Danny. Um, and I can easily detach myself from them if I want to, because they're all just you know, labels. And I've become so caught up in that, uh, in, in that identity, in that id, that ego. And I find a lot of the aspects of that ego are causing me to, to be unhappy. Because you know, like being an entrepreneur my whole life, um, it's, it's great to be the master of your own fate. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made. There's a lot of pressure on your shoulders at the same time. Um, and I always feel like it was like one battle to fight after another. And I was really proud that I was able to fight these battles, but I, I could see that it wasn't, it wasn't causing me the best, uh, the best things to come into my life in some ways always having to fight, always having to struggle. And so I realized that it's, it's because I've become so attached to this, this ego, to this identity of who I was. And I think detaching from that is, is really important. But I'm, I'm not like fully developed in this journey yet, so it's still something that I'm, yeah. I'm pursuing. There's a uh, quick little hack um, for you to remind yourself. Um, so my, one of my mentors taught me this. Um, he told me anything when you're like getting stuck with like ego or you're kind of like being like, oh man, I don't know if this is ego or not. He said to me, anything that comes after I am is ego. Anything. Right. So any, if you're like, oh, I am this, or I am a person who would this, or I am anything that comes after I am dot, dot, dot is you can instantly identify as ego and then you can choose whether you want to keep it or you want to toss it. Because if you toss it or keep it, all it is is ego, not actually um, you. And um, I'm piecing together different advice from different mentors. <laughs> and um, something else that another mentor told me is this idea that don't ask who you are, but what you are, right? Um, and essentially you, you, you nailed it. You said, you know, I'm just a, you know, I'm a human soul, like making my way around the world and that's what you are and, and everything else can just fall away. Right. Because what you are is a human being here on this planet, um, you know, doing the best you can and all the other labels of like entrepreneur or like American or like uh, type a, or like whatever else you want to stick to that, um, is just kind of like a collection of the things that you choose to be, right? It's almost like it's fun. That's what makes like life so fun and such a fun game to play is that anything that comes after I am, you basically get to shuffle it around, rearrange it. You get to pick some things, you get to let go of some things and you basically get to create this entire like masterpiece of the person that you want to be. Um, and anything, anytime that something doesn't serve you, you can just get rid of it because it's not who you actually are like at the core, right? All you are is a human being. Right. And, uh, and, and everything else is just like the construction of what we're making on this planet. It's the piece of art that we're painting. I think that something important too, is that the, and I've, I'm trying to identify this, you know, like I'm trying to, to see myself when I fall into these patterns. Um, I think that ego kind of sets up this trap for us because it, it seems to feed off of drama, suspense, filth and neg general negativity, I guess. Um, it seems to draw energy from that and kind of be attracted to these things, you know? Like, it's like when people, if someone jumps out of a window or something and, you know, lying on the street and suddenly, like, a crowd will form or if there's a fight that breaks out, you know, and then suddenly 30 people are surrounding them. Um, we're, we're, the ego is really drawn to that. And I see that it's, it's causing these traps for me. <laughs> Um, and I, I fall into like, it's like it's trying to draw me into this circle of negativity. Like even if it's just the first thing I, I wake up in the morning and I'm just thinking about something really bad or negative that maybe I kind of just saw subconsciously or thought about subconsciously. 
It's Are you watching too many news, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to stay away from the news, actually. Um, have you read the book? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> have you read the book uh, Autobiography of a Yogi? Oh, my God. That book literally almost fell on my head after one of my mentors had been telling me to read it for two years. And I was at a yoga class in Panama, and it almost hit me in the head. And I was like, all right, fuck. I, I can see a sign from the universe when I see one. And that book is like 600 pages, and I literally grabbed that book, and I read it in four days because I was like, you're not hitting me in the head again. I'm going to read you. I get it loud and clear. So short answer, yes, I have, and I absolutely love it. It helps you to understand so much and clarify so much. And I have so many favorite, you know, quotes from that book. Um, but one is is that the I think it goes something like this: in, in shallow men, the fish of little thoughts cause much commotion. And I feel like that um, every time when I'm opening up Facebook or something like this, and I just see the things that people are sharing and stuff. And I've actually set up an app to kill my newsfeed. On my, my laptop. Oh, so. you're one of the yes. I know that app. <laughs> <laughs> I find that to be helpful. Um, so I'm, I, but basically, what I'm trying to do is is kind of detach from all those little petty things and um, mm -hmm. try to to be magnanimous. What's the word? Mag magnanimous. I basically <laughs> basically trying to rise above it all. You know, trying to rise above that noise. Um, mm -hmm. Do Do you find that it's? Do you find that you fall yourself find yourself falling into? Um, these patterns of like, you know, self-defeating patterns or like you, you ever try to sabotage yourself maybe unknowingly? Definitely self-sabotage is like literally one of the main weaknesses of a type A personality. Um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think that it's funny. I actually did that this week. Um, I think that as an entrepreneur, it's like you, you touched on this. It's super, super tough and difficult, um, to essentially just like, I can't just take a break or sometimes I feel so overwhelmed. I can't just walk away from it. I mean, I could, right. But I won't like, it's like, it's not one of those things where you're like, ah, oh, fuck this job. Like I'm taking a two week vacation. It doesn't work that way. Um, but I always feel like incredibly just like the world is on my shoulder and I've been trying to with Facebook also just I don't like follow the news at all. I'm totally disconnected from politics. I'm essentially like purging any sort of energy drainer from my life so I can keep like generating energy and being like happy, <laughs> even though that requires a little bit of ignorance sometimes. Um, but yeah, I definitely fall into patterns of self-sabotage sometimes, which is actually um, only it happens when I'm in a period where I don't have clarity. If I don't have clarity, shit hits the fan. But if I do have clarity, everything basically flows um, in a beautiful way. I'm going to save that quote for later. If I don't have clarity, shit hits the fan. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Clarity is everything. I'm really glad that you admitted this because, you know, I have to make a constant effort, you know, to align myself again and to balance myself again, you know, because I'll fall out of whack or fall off the, the bandwagon a little bit. I find that, you know, being an entrepreneur in general and just being solely responsible for every aspect of your life, it can be such a roller coaster ride. And, you know, I know that I don't, I saw some statistic lately that so many, I don't know the exact percentage, but so many entrepreneurs suffer from anxiety, depression, like it's like five times or maybe even 10 times greater than the average, wow. average, you know, general population. And I was actually on a call with my friend before this in San Diego and we were talking about this. Like he he published more than twenty books on Amazon, and then you know Amazon decided to come and shut down his account overnight, and then he had to start <laughs> over from scratch all over again. And that's that's what it is. Like it's it's you know it's, it's, there's good reason for being insecure about certain things. Wow, that's brutal, man. I would die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my yeah, father, I like mean, he, my father said that. it's like you know two steps forward, one step back. But sometimes you, you fall right back to zero. And so it's, um, you know, you, I, I don't know. Like I, but I do feel like um, that's been part of the struggle for me is uh, trying to hang on for this roller coaster ride, but also be cheerful about it, you know, <laughs> try to stay positive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the way that I see it is that, as I was saying, like, it's, I've, my life essentially transformed 
completely when I started to see it as a game, like a fun game to play. And, you know, something that I even tell my clients is this idea that look at life as a chess game, right? You can either be the pawn or you can be the player. So you can be the one that gets knocked out and you had no idea and you didn't see it coming. Um, or you can be the one that's actually making the strategy, creating the game and, and, you know, pushing, putting the pawns around. Right. So it's like, instead of being inside of it, deep inside of it, it's almost like take a step back and realize that everything that you're doing is just, it's, it's the paradox of life. It's insignificant, but it's so incredibly important at the same time, you know, because obviously, you know, what are we, we're like one in 7 billion people and then we die and hopefully we leave something behind to be remembered by. But, you know, most of us, it's like, we, we probably won't be remembered by half of the planet, right? We'd probably be remembered by hopefully a specific amount of people. Um, and then it's just like, but then at the same time, everyone is connected. We're all connected. We're all one. So every, like I could be, I could do something today. I could write a post on Instagram that, you know, um, 20 years from now, some kid who's going to like be the next Steve Jobs reads like some random person's post and just like decides to like change like the face of technology. Right. Like, I don't know, you know what I'm doing. So, um, I think that, you know, when it comes to like things like I know entrepreneurs, they deal with a lot of anxiety and depression. Of course, I'm not exempt of that. I have also days where I'm anxious and um, upset, but I try to deal with it like being like, okay, I'm just going to do the best possible job that I can do today. Um, and what I do today is enough. And it's, I can know that as long as I finish every day, just having known that I gave it my 100%, um, then I know that, you know, maybe one day I will have influenced somebody or I will have helped somebody. Um, but also that, you know, it's just a game, like, you know, one day I'll die. And then like, that's what it is, you know? Um, so it's taking, I found that, you know, seeing life, approaching life this way where it's less serious and less like, like less of a thing of like, I must discover who I am and what my purpose is and like all the things I need to do and all the pressure and all the things that I want to create. Like, yeah, I totally want to conquer the world. You know, I'd be lying if I wasn't like, I want to create like this huge brand that like everybody acknowledges and like something that is going to really impact millions of people for sure. Um, but in the meantime, if, if I don't get to that sort of level, um, I know that just because I strived for that, I will have impacted maybe not millions, but maybe thousands of people, um, along the way simply because I tried to right? and I put in my best every day. I really love the, what you just said. Um, it seems like a really empowering way of viewing life in so many ways when you say that you view it as a game. And I, I want to ask you a little bit more about that, but you also reminded me of Something I heard from Tony Robbins once, I think it was like a really old audio CD from like the 80s or something that I happened to stumble upon. And um, he said something similar where he said that uh, it's impossible for me to fail because um, my standard for success is I give it my best and I learn something. So as long as I give my best effort, I learn something, it really doesn't matter what the outcome is, um, I did not fail. And mm -hmm. so I found that to be very empowering because um, failure kind of comes when we start comparing ourselves to other people and saying that this guy, you know, got 100,000 visitors to his blog while I'm only getting 1,000 or something like that, you know, this guy's making 15,000 a month and I'm only making 1,500 a month or something like that. Um, that's, that's when we start to, to get depressed and, and start seeing ourselves as failing when we're comparing ourselves too much to others, I think. Um, but you're looking at it like just as a, a game and this is who I am, this is my role in life, this is my mission, and it's driving me. And like you said, you have clarity. So yeah. I think a lot of people don't have that clarity to begin with, and they're well, kind that's, of lost. That's actually themselves. literally my job. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, so I want to ask you because, um, take this for example, you, you left and traveled for almost one year. Most people would see that task as so daunting that they wouldn't even know how to start or how to begin. But you kind of look at it as like a fun opportunity. Um, but logistically, like, you know, there's a lot of things that you have to consider to be able to travel yeah. 70 different places. So maybe, oh, yeah. maybe you um, know, for, for people that like this only seems like a dream, perhaps we could uh, jump into that journey a little bit and how you were able to make that work. 
Sure. Um, so one of the things that I realized, well, I've, I've been doing this at a smaller scale since I was a child, but like something that I learned recently with this project is if you want, um, I'm a very actionable person, right? So for me, it's like, I don't like freely like blah, blah, blah stuff like up in the air, which is ironic because I'm also very spiritual. But for me, it's like, if something is not actionable, it doesn't make sense. So when I look at my dreams, when I look at big tasks or big things I want to accomplish. I, um, what I do is I look at the dream and then I break it down into goals and then I bring it down into tasks. Um, and then I try to do something about it every single day. So, um, that's always something that I've done. It's like breaking down things into small itty bitty pieces. Um, just because I also do get really anxious and overwhelmed. And when I, um, as I said, a series of events happened, like almost like a domino effect, all these dominoes had to drop. And then literally one day, September of 2015, I looked myself in the mirror and I was like, today I am changing my life. And at that moment, I had no idea, um, that I was going to like design a social experiment and, you know, travel the world and, uh, and do all these things. Like all I knew was like, I'm changing, like something is changing. So the next day I started looking for jobs, the same exact job that I had, but in Europe, cause that to me was a change. And then as I was doing that, I was like, well, this doesn't feel good. And I was like, maybe I'll look for it different job in Europe, like something that's not even my current job. And then that didn't feel good. And all of a sudden I was like, you know what, if all else goes wrong, like I'm just going to travel the world. Ha ha ha. Like, you know, fuck it all. And not actually meaning it. And then, you know, as I was talking to friends or making that joke over and over again, I was like, wait, I don't think this is a joke. I actually think I mean it. And I was like, but I'm like a super type A organized person. I can't just like pick up my bag and travel the world like randomly. That has no sense to me. I need to have a mission. I need to have a purpose. So then I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to like create a project. And then I'm like, okay, well, what kind of project? Well, let me think about it. What, what do I love to do? And then I remember having this moment where on a piece of paper, I was like, if I could do three things every day, all day, and it would like just light my soul on fire, what would it be? And I was like, okay, um, human connection. Like, I just love people. I love talking to them. I get, I love listening to them. I love getting to know them. And I was like, I want to travel, duh. Um, and three, I want to write because I've always been a writer at heart, and I just haven't been able to, hadn't really be able, been able to exercise that muscle. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, I guess now the problem is, how do I do all those three, three things and travel the world? and have a mission. And all of a sudden I was like, I could create a social experiment. And that basically went down the rabbit hole of like, what is the craziest, most extreme thing that I could do? And also how can I set myself up for success? So I'm actually going to do it. Right. Cause if I just travel the world and couch surf, I might like chicken out and freak out. Um, so I know that I love people. So what if I just started asking people who are connected to me somehow, um, to, to stay with them so that I'm still kind of in my comfort zone. So it's not like totally, weird. Right. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, well, if I'm doing that, I need to save money. So all of a sudden, you know, I put, started putting together 20%, um, of my income aside every, every paycheck and then started cutting back on certain expenses, um, started to take on freelance jobs, even though I was working a full-time job so I can save extra money. And, you know, I said to myself by the summer, I'm leaving, I'm doing it. And, you know, when I left, by the time I actually left, I had saved up some money, not all of it, all the money I wanted to save. And then I literally had like an Excel sheet of like all the, I came up with a list of the top 10 countries I've always wanted to visit in my life and always made an excuse not to. And I was like, I'm going through these countries and then I'm going to go to like whatever nearby country, you know, if someone like, if I want to go to say, Croatia. And then I had somebody who was like, actually, like I have a friend in Montenegro. I'd be like, okay, cool. I'll go to Croatia and then I'll go to Montenegro. So I had a list of like all the countries that I wanted to see. And then only like, um, only like a third of that list that I actually have hosts. So I just kind of like got a one way ticket. Um, and I left and I was like, I don't have all the money, but I have most of it. Um, I literally do not have like most of the hosts, but I'm just going to find them. And I don't, I have an idea of the countries I'm going, but I'm willing to be surprised. So, um, I guess, you know, the answer to your question, Danny, is that, you know, you have a huge dream first is like, so how can you break it down in these pieces, little pieces that you're actually going to act on? And then, you know, do you actually need to have all the answers right away? No, but you need to start acting. You need to start taking steps in the right direction because as you walk, 
um, the path, you know, no, you're going to have some experiences that are going to tell you, actually, I was wrong. This is not right for me. Let me readjust. But if you don't like, if I hadn't started applying to jobs, um, the same job in Europe, I wouldn't have understood that I didn't want that, that job. And then I wouldn't have understood that I didn't want that industry. And then I wouldn't have understood that I just didn't want to be in corporate at all. Um, and then I wouldn't have understood that I wanted to travel, but in a certain way. Um, and then, you know, that, which eventually led me to the creation of my project, which eventually led me to take action so that it could come to fruition. And when I left, I literally like still didn't have all my hosts. And I was like, I'm just going to figure this out as I go along. And guess what? I did because of all the countries that I traveled, uh, like five continents, over 20 countries, there was only one time I didn't find a host as hard as I tried. And it was like right at the beginning of my trip. And every other time someone would pop up, even if it was like literally one day before, um, somebody would be like, Oh, actually I know somebody in the city that can host you. So it completely worked out. Um, it's a mix of like taking action, rolling up your sleeve and taking responsibility for what you want to do. And the other half is literally like faith and like, like having this unshakable faith that the universe is going to back you up as long as you like do your half, do your part. Well, you can just drop the microphone now, huh? (laughs) (laughs) No, I really like that. Um, I love that answer. One, you were so organized in the beginning. Uh, I really admire that about you because I, like you said, I just get a ticket and then I arrive and then I just figure everything out later. It's always been my approach because I'm just kind of a procrastinator, I guess. And uh, I won't even like research, you know, where to stay beforehand. I'll just be like, okay, once I'm there, I'll have to look for that. Um, but I really love what you said in the beginning of that answer when you said, if I could do three things each day that would light my soul on fire, what would they be? And um, I want to repeat that because I think that's something that everyone listening to this needs to ask themselves. Because uh, you know, most people don't even know what that would be. You know, they don't know what it is that they would love to do every day. But I think that's a great daily practice. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Do it. Wake up every day and do something that you love. I 100% subscribe to that. It's something I need to do as well. <laughs> so Do it. What's stopping you? Do it. <laughs> I guess I need to find what those three things are. <laughs> well, you're gonna, you, I think you have one of them. Isn't it dance? I, I do love to dance, so that's at least one thing. And I have to find out what the other two are because it's like, <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's it be, being an entrepreneur and, you know, being a traveler too, it's, you're always adjusting, you're always having to be flexible and doing different things and constant novelty and especially as being an entrepreneur, there's like so many different hats you have to wear and um, there are some things I love to do and then some things that I have to do and a lot of it is like, you know, managing people and especially managing their emotions and, you know, encouraging them while at the same time trying to to prod them on to get you to to finish the job or whatever it might be or sign the contract. (laughs) Um, So it definitely requires a, a variety of skills. I want to ask you, though, um, do you have any other daily practices that you use? Because I know you mentioned that you have some mentors, and I want to ask you about those, and they must have taught you a lot as well. But uh, before that, I'd like to ask you, do you have any other daily practices that work really well for you? Of course. You have to have daily practices for you to stay sane, especially in this lifestyle, right? (laughs) Um, So I think the number one thing that I do every day consistently is I will wake up. And again, I was, uh, um, I had a meditation teacher once tell me, um, that really, this really stuck with me, this piece of advice. He said to me, do not let technology be the first thing you do ever. Right. And something that people do right away, they wake up, they roll over and they check their phone. So, um, my number one rule is first, like at minimum, 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 30 minutes, ideally one hour of my day. Um, I don't even, I don't look at my phone. I don't check my phone. I wake up, um, you know, I brush my teeth, I pee, I do all the, all the things you got to do when you, when you wake up. And then, um, I have a, um, I do a dynamic meditation exercise because I really suck at silent meditation. I've tried all the meditations. I've been doing it for five years. And uh, I found that what works for me is um, I do these five um, Tibetan exercises to realign my chakras. So um, that takes about 10 to 15 minutes. It's super easy to do. It gives me a little bit of light exercise. It's almost like two birds, one stone, which totally pleases my type A personality um, where it's like, oh, I get a little bit of exercise and I get to realign my chakras. Um, and then I sit about down. This, if, you, if you don't mind. Tell you about what? 
Uh, can you tell me a bit about those exercises? Like, how do you do them exactly? Ah, yes, you can. Um, so it's called the five Tibetan um, exercises. You can you can you can Google it, and it like shows you exactly what they are. But it's okay. these five um, exercises that supposedly you know um, have been used by Tibetan monks for um, thousands of years, and it's what basically rejuvenates them and you know sends their like aging clock backwards. Um, so what it does is that it's working out like all the pivotal parts of your body. So if we're talking from a physical perspective, like abdominals, like legs. Um, arms, like all the all the basically main um, muscle groups are being um, lightly exercised, but from a spiritual level, um, it's realigning um, your chakras so that they don't get all out of whack. Um, so it's just like basically a holistic um, whole body exercise, um, whole chakra exercise, and it's a breathing exercise. So the whole concept of doing this, um, you know, the whole point of doing these exercises is to like have be deep, deep, deep into your breathing. So you're breathing in and you're breathing out when you're doing certain things. So it keeps you very present in the moment. Um, so it's super, it's like amazing. I absolutely love it and highly recommend it. Um, and, uh, and it takes about 10 like, minutes, right? Yeah, it takes about 10 minutes, okay. 10 to 12 minutes. Um, again, you can totally Google it. It's very easy to follow. And I put like, um, some mantra music that I love. Um, so I would put some music in the background. So I'm listening to like these uh, mantras that, um, that I enjoy and I do the 10 to 12 minute exercise. And then I sit down, um, after the exercise and, um, I just sit down depending on my mood, either in silence or I'll do some affirmations, um, for myself if that's what I need that day. Um, or I'll chant, um, I'll chant the, the mantra. So it really depends on like what my energy level is and what it is that I want to manifest in the, during the day. It depends on like what my mood is, but I'll I'll usually sit for like 20 minutes or so and just kind of like reflect and ponder, uh, and like reconnect with myself. And only then do I, um, turn on my computer, open my phone and I will literally dedicate 30 hours to 30, sorry, not 30 hours, 30 minutes to an hour, literally just answering, getting through everything, like all the emails, all the messages. And from there I create a to-do list for that day. So instead of like having my emails, like coming at me throughout the day, sporadically through the day, I just kind of like do everything in one sitting, make sure that I have a to-do list. So I like understand what needs to be addressed, um, for the rest of the day. And that makes me feel so good because I have my meditation done. I have a little bit of exercise done. I usually do more exercise later on in the day, but, um, it's almost like checkbox, like meditation checkbox, um, exercise, like a checkbox. I made my bed and then like checkbox, I checked all my communications and I know what I need to get done that day. Boom. Let's go and let's do it. Wow, I love it. So I've just learned uh, quite a few things new from you, actually. So the, the five Tibetan rites or five Tibetan exercises, I don't really follow any kind of ritual like this. Um, for me, it's always just, I, I always go outside and I walk for like 15 minutes. And I, I because I, I wrote a book about sleep hacking, so I know that sunlight is really important. You know, getting sunlight first thing in the morning, starting off your body clock, you know, waking yourself up. Um, if I have any ritual, that's, that's kind of what I do is like, I want to be outside before I kind of sit down and open up my laptop, I find the same thing, uh, that I just don't want to start working right away. I want to, you know, center myself. Uh, but I want to definitely try these uh, five Tibetan rites or five Tibetan exercises. exercises. Yeah, it's called I, Fountain of Youth. It's what okay. they use to rejuvenate themselves and, and basically, um, you know, live to 200 or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever age it is that they're actually living to. <laughs> Amazing. So tell me, uh, who, you're, who are your mentors and um, how did you find them? And what have you learned from them? Oh dear, I picked them up along the way or they find me actually. Um, <laughs> I find them in the weirdest manners. Um, but yeah, I mean, I find, um, you know, I have a few mentors. I had one in Italy who recently passed. I have one here in New York. Um, I find these like kindred souls who are incredibly wise and knowledgeable. And I, don't, I literally can't tell you how, but they're just like, Hey, like, you know, we're brilliant, like enlightened souls. And we're just going to teach you stuff. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> teach me things. I am open to learning, but maybe that's, that's also why I like people love teaching. Um, love teaching those who love to receive. And I absolutely love to receive knowledge. Like I will literally, if you have something interesting to tell me, I will sit and like just intensely listen to you for hours and as long as you keep my attention engaged for that long. Um, so yeah, like I have, um, quite a few mentors and I have people who, um, you know, taught me meditation, like one 
kind of taught me everything that I know about like the basics of meditation and like how to like connect with myself and how to essentially uh, disconnect from, from the outside world. And, um, just life, like relationships and love and being happy with myself and being like my ideal, most ideal partner. And how do we go, how do I go about like being happy in my skin. Right. And then I have a business mentor who literally taught me how to build an online business and like the psychology behind marketing and like things like that direction. So, um, you know, I, am lucky enough to, um, have encountered, um, really amazing people. And when I find them, I like, I'm absolutely like, please like teach me whatever, you know, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to learn. And I think that also is really, um, like a teacher's that gives teachers, people who love to teach, get a lot of pleasure from having like very, very, um, you know, active and involved students. So, um, I think it's a two way thing, right? Like you find mentors or, you know, they cross, um, they cross your path and then you can either choose to like really nourish that relationship and like, you know, continue to kind of have that back and forth or you just take, um, you know, what you need and, you know, move on, which I've also done. Like as I traveled the world, I've met people who taught me incredible things, but it's it like the sort of situation I'd be like, Hey, can I have your WhatsApp number? Or, you know, the relationship maybe wasn't like developed enough for me to say that. So I just had to lessons and, you know, I kept on going. So, um, yeah, that pretty much hopefully sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you piqued my curiosity and probably everyone on this call listening to this interview when you, you mentioned you had a mentor that taught you everything about online business, for example, um, what revelations have you had in, as far as business is concerned that uh, enable you to, to make a living pursuing your passions and not being tethered to that corporate job that you were working at before? Hmm. I would say one of the number one things that I learned is that mindset is absolutely everything and it can make, and bre- make or break um, what you do. So, um, to give you an idea of that, like the first year, um, I remember I was really struggling financially and I was making like, like not even 2k a year, uh, sorry, a year, not a year, a month. Um, you know, if I was lucky and I remember like going to this like business mastermind full of like crazy, amazing entrepreneurs. And I was working with a business mentor. Um, and you know, they were teaching me all the same things and they were always saying to me, mindset is everything. Mindset is everything, but kind of like being deep, deep, deep into this environment where you were just getting that constant feedback loop, positive feedback loop. And like, I was reading all these books and like, basically long story short in 30 days, I changed my mindset about money. I was doing the same, almost the same things. I had to tweak some very minor things. And I went from like never having made more than two K in a year to making five figure months, like literally overnight. It, it was insane. Um, you mean 2K in 30 per month, days, right? sorry. You mean never making two K per month, right? Yeah. To like, just like hitting five figure months. And that was literally over the course of 30 days. And all I had to do was change, transform my mindset, you know, about uh, money, about like my worth and all these things. And once I changed that mindset, I did some very minor tweaks in the business and like, boom, like everything started taking off. And I don't just say that in terms of money specifically, but it has so much to do with like, um, your mind, right. And what you believe about yourself, even like things like attracting your ideal clients. It's like, you know, if you believe, you know, I believed, Oh, why would anyone pay me to like basically talk to them about clarity, which my work is very much about like helping people get clarity, helping people find their true purpose and, you know, giving them the courage to like make big changes without failing, you know, without what you were saying about Tony Robbins, there is no failure, go out and make that big change, get some real clarity in your life. And, you know, I used to like go about with the attitude of like, why would like, I give this, I do this for my friends. Like, why would anyone care to like, you know, compensate me for that? And then, you know, I changed my mindset and I was like, Oh my God, like this is a gift. And this is like so worth something for somebody. Like for me, the results that I can create in people's lives can be, are incredible. Right. Um, so the second that I basically changed that mindset, I just started like attracting amazing clients. So all I had to do was change the way I thought. And naturally when you like change your mindset, the way you run your business, whether I, again, whether it's finance, whether it's 
clients, whether it's your internal team, it's like this, just change the way that you perceive something. If it's not working one way, change your perspective. And that literally is half of the work or more, because again, once you get that clarity, um, you can just adjust, like tweak the strategy, tweak this thing, change this thing. And then all of a sudden, boom, you get huge results. Whereas maybe 30 days prior, you were doing the same thing or similar thing. And you were just weren't getting those results at all. It's because of your mind and your attitude. So I think that part of changing your mind is practicing gratitude and um, looking at uh, the world as a, a place of abundance, looking at money as something of abundance, you know, rather than sweating the, the really small, petty things. Um, there's one, uh, I think it was Marie Forleo, she says that when you spend money on something, tell yourself there's plenty more where that came from, you know, and, and not be such like a, a miser, I guess. <laughs> But yeah. It, it's it's really about like living abundance. They make more. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you can always make more. There's always more opportunities. So it's always about, you know, capitalizing on the next opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that really kind of is like a, a fountain of wealth, like literally. Uh, well, not literally, but I mean, in, inside of you, it creates a fountain of wealth. And um, when you say minor tweaks, like what might those look like? Like after you change your mindset and you make some minor tweaks, like what, can you give me an idea of what you're talking about? Minor tweaks. Um, yeah, it could be as simple as like going from, for example, like never ever talking about my business because I was embarrassed of it or like, um, to just basically being like something like making a post where I'm like, well, one of my clients recently went through X, Y, Z, right. Which before I didn't do. So what that instantly does is notify people that have clients, which means I have a business, I have a job, right. Um, as opposed to just like using, for example, with my Instagram, which has a pretty decent following, I was just doing like travel stuff there separately. And then like business stuff, you know, on my own. And it's like, well, why aren't I talking about my business on Instagram? Right. So the second I start talking about my business on Instagram, all of a sudden I actually do get people who are interested in learning more. Um, right. But they couldn't have known or they couldn't have been interested in something if they didn't have the information. So that's a minor tweak. Um, another minor tweak was for example, with my book, the art of being human, 80% of my book was already written. Like I literally had a word document with a hundred plus Microsoft word, like just text pages on it of things I thoughts that I had, or like things that people would say to me that were really interesting during my trip. And, you know, when I was talking to one of my friends who was an entrepreneur, it randomly came up that I had this like word document because they were like, they were like something like, oh, you should like save your Instagram captions. They're so good. And I was like, actually, I literally have an entire like hundred page word document where I like write about things that interest me and also like save my, the captions that I love the most. And, you know, I remember him being like, so why don't you turn that into a book? And I was like, what? No, that's crazy. It's so hard. I'd have to like pitch it to publishers. He's like, why don't you self-publish? And I was like, what? That's crazy. And he was like, why don't you just hire somebody on Fiverr to make you a graphic, whatever, like a graphic, like a cover. And then like, you know, you just organize into a book and you just hire somebody to do it for you. And then you self-publish, you're done. Right. And I was like, oh, okay tweak, tweak, tweak. And I had a book in 30 days. Right. So, um, and it was on the market in, in 30 days. So, um, it's really this idea of like, it's all in your mind. Like, you know, what was stopping me from like taking that 100 pages and turning it into a book was like, Oh, well, I'm gonna have to write a book proposal and I'm gonna have to do this. And I'm gonna do that. And it's just like, no, I don't like, there's a way if I want to get it on the market, I can you know, we live in 2018. It's, we live in the digital world. Um, so, you know, I have a book that I want to publish like, and go through the traditional process and all that yeah, jazz, but not, it wasn't this one. Cause I didn't even know this one was existing until that day that my friend pointed it out, that it was a possibility, right? It's all about mindset. It's all about yeah. reframing the way you look at the same things. I love it. I think it's all about having an empowering conversation with yourself. If you're mm-hmm. telling yourself that um, you know you're throwing all these hurdles in your way, um, that's going to disempower you, and it has an effect on us that we don't even realize. You know, like um, just on our psychology, basically. If we're looking at every single difficulty in a literal sense, yes, it's going to make it harder to act, but it's also molding your mind. It's also shaping your map of the world, and it's just in general making you a less effective person. Then if you look at the opportunities and um, say, well, you know, the challenges are are what they are, but I'm going to what you do, like you said uh, earlier in this call is when you have a dream, you you break it down into tasks and you can act upon those tasks quickly and that solves it. Yeah. 
And I think there's a famous, uh, I think it was Henry Ford, although don't quote me on that, but somebody really famous and important essentially said one time, uh, whether you think or you, you can, or you can't, you're right. And I'm completely just, I completely subscribe to that philosophy. And, you know, something that I teach my clients and I live by is like, I don't believe in excuses. Excuses are not in my vocabulary. I didn't have a choice is not in my vocabulary. Like I have literally, you know, as a writer and as a professional storyteller, um, I'm very conscious of the fact that words have energy statements, hold energy. And I have literally removed from my vocabulary in my mind or coming out of my mouth, um, language that basically doesn't serve me, which is like any excuse to me. It's like, it's not, Oh, I can't because it's like, it's not a priority or I don't feel like it. And as long as, again, it's all about clarity. Right. And the moment that I say to myself, like, you're telling me like, Oh, Celine, like, do you want to like take on this job or whatever? And I'm just like, uh, well, you know, I'm like really busy now. Like I can't like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, it's like, Danny, I, it's not a priority for me. I'm sorry. Or like, um, you know, it's, uh, I, you know, that sounds super interesting, but right now I'm working on other things and this is like way too far down the line. I can maybe revisit it in like six months to a year or something like that does not align with my brand. I'm sorry. Um, but thank you for offering me that opportunity. So I'm really, um, real with essentially like what I want and what I don't want. And I know that if I want something, I can do it. Um, it's not a matter of like, Oh, you know, I don't think I can because X, Y, Z, it's like, no, fuck all the excuses, right? We're going to like literally dismantle them, break them apart. Um, and I'm going to find a way. And if I basically break that excuse apart and I realize that I'm not willing to put in the work once I break it apart, it means I don't want it. I don't actually want the thing. Right. So, um, I actually, it's funny. I actually did a live video on Facebook just yesterday about like how to go about, um, dismantling excuses and basically creating almost like this infographic for yourself where you're like, do I, you know, what is the ideal scenario? What is the realistic scenario in the realistic scenario? Am I willing to put in the work? If yes, continue on to the next step, which is how do I put in the work, you know, and then start dis- dismantling, um, that big dream into like small steps. If the answer is no, you don't really want it. Go back to step one and reevaluate like what you actually want out of life. Right. So you can literally break it down into like an infographic when it comes to like breaking down excuses, but I just absolutely don't believe in them and I'm very intolerant of them. Well, amazing. I feel like this call could, you know, last for three or four hours easily. <laughs> um, but I, I've already learned a few things, quite a few things from this call. I, I can tell that you've done a lot of work on yourself and um, made a deliberate effort to create this life. And I have massive amounts of respect for that. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> So tell me a little bit before we sign off. I, I know it's getting a bit late over there. Uh, it's almost 10.30, right? Which, it's okay. I don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess in New York, that's, that's still early in, in New York City, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about your new book because I'm, I'm really interested. I'd, I'd be excited to check that out. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as you know, I, I published this year or last year, I published um, The Art of Being Human, which was all about that project, the social experiment that um, we discussed earlier. So this new book, um, I'm planning to publish it maybe this summer. I mean, we'll see how fast it moves. Uh, Mari halfway through, um, cleaning up the editing process. But, um, the working title right now is, um, if hearts could talk and it's a similar concept as the art of being human, which is, it's short stories. It's designed to basically, it's designed for the short attention span, which is like people who just want to like get a quick hit of inspiration a day. But I decided to make this one more interactive. So, um, you know, I divided it into categories. So some of them are like, um, courage, vulnerability, um, change, um, wisdom, not wisdom, sorry, wander. Um, I forgot what the other ones are, but, um, it's basically, Oh, love is a category. So it's basically like six categories. I, I mean, I don't remember what they are, but they're really interesting. And under the, each category, there's like short stories about that. And then I decided to make it really interactive that being, um, that I have a question and like a thing, basically imagine like two pages on one page, you have like a short story that you can like consume in a minute about 
love or about courage or about wonder or about vulnerability. And then on the other hand, um, on the other side, like a thought provoking question, um, about that relates to that topic, but really asks you to, um, dig deep into yourself and maybe like jot a few thoughts down. So, um, you know, like one of the stories is like about this idea of, um, being your most authentic self and, you know, not giving a fuck about what anyone thinks about you. And it's a story about that. And then, you know, on the other side, it would be like a question, like, do you feel that you're being your most authentic self to the world? And if not, what is blocking you? So, um, it's more like, uh, you know, the art of being human was more like a little, a journey that I wanted to take you on and for you to get lost in and just kind of read what all these incredible people around the world have to say and their philosophy on life. And then this is more like, here's like some things that, you know, um, here's the wisdom that I've collected about these topics. Um, and here's some stories about it that you can consume really quickly. And then I'd also, you know, like to open the floor for you to think about it and for you to jot down some thoughts about it. And I guess that's why the working title is if hearts could speak, um, if, sorry, if hearts could talk, um, in the beginning I was like, Oh, let me just do a bunch of short stories. And then it just naturally made sense to me that if, if that's the title, like I should ask your heart to talk to me too. So yeah, that's the concept. If hearts could talk. And when do you expect that to be out? I'm thinking, <laughs> um, maybe August, August, September, as you can tell, just like with my course, um, you know, I literally conceptualized it two months ago and now it's like fully full blown. Um, similar with the book, it's, I kind of like think of stuff and then I'm like, Oh, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to hire somebody to help me do this. And then, Oh, I'm going to, oh, Whoa, look at it. It's done. <laughs> so if I had to estimate, would say like August, September, but I do not have an organized calendar or like, you know, re- release dates, which is probably one of my biggest fortes and weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> Is my inability to put things down on the calendar, <laughs> but it leaves a lot of flexibility for serendipity and for things to magically um, manifest. So <laughs> <laughs> we have so many things in common. I'm, I'm laughing because I can I can always pinpoint the exact like place and moment when I have a new business idea. Like I'll be, <laughs> I'll, be I'll be swimming in the pool or I'll be hiking somewhere in Hong Kong, and you know some idea just like comes to me in a flash of insight. And like, yeah, that, that could be really cool. And then I just, you know, but I can, I can always remember like the exact like time and date of when I had an idea and what I was doing. And, yeah, um, it's literally like a little baby. And then you're like, well, I can't abandon this. I got to take it with me. I got to grow it now, you know? Yeah, and then you, don't, you don't have a release date, you know? So the people ask like, well, when's the book going to be out? And I'm like, well, I'm working on it, you know, <laughs> when it's ready. Yeah, it'll be out when it's out, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I'm really, um, I'm eagerly uh, looking forward to that after talking to you. And um, yeah, hope, hopefully you you have enough confidence to to post about it on on social media. <laughs> Talk about your now. I will <laughs> this time around. I will. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. I mean, this was already uh, an hour discussion, but it really went by quickly because we had a lot of uh, a lot of great stuff that we covered on this call. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the meaningful questions as well. So the book is uh, your current book is the Art of Being Humid. Uh, the Nomad's Oasis, and the new book is If Hearts Could Talk, and you can find more information about your work at Celine with uh, one L, two N's, dacosta.com. Yes, D-A-S, not D-E, which is another mistake people make. Ah, uh, okay, Celine Da Costa. So well, it'll be on the show yeah. notes of this, uh, of this episode, so you'll get the correct, correct spelling. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Celine. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.